0: How are you all doing today? How are classes coming? We're wrapping up the last two-week block, ready for ROKs. Some of you are graduating. Is it busy yet? I found out from some that uh, some people are just planning, (laughs) it's going to be busy this week. Well, I asked that because I remember what it was like to be in the last weeks of school. Those of you that are in seminary, I remember that push. You had your last... You finished up that last class, and then you had a week to get all your, your all your your was it 48 pages you guys have to do, and glossary and stuff. So I remember the the pressure of the uh, finishing up the academics. Um, but the message that the Lord laid on my heart, I actually had two messages that I was going back and forth on what I should preach, and um, the Lord through circumstances led me to this one. And uh, this those last several weeks for me has been extremely busy. Uh, sometimes I felt like I've been a little out of my mind going, trying to keep up with landscaping, keep up with church work. But uh, there's been a theme that has, keep, has kept coming back for me, and that's what I would like to speak on, uh, to you all on this morning. Turn to, you, in your Bibles, First uh, Thessalonians, chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verse 18. It's very obviously a very well-known verse. One, two, there were two sayings I remember that my parents used to say when I was growing up. One of them was, usually it was my mom that would always say this if there is strife, there is pride. <laughs> I still remember that saying. When there was something going on and, and she would just kind of look at us, <laughs> it's like, okay, that means we need to stop <laughs> and figure out. Obviously, there's tension going on. And uh, we had to step back and deal with the situation. But there was another saying, usually it was my dad that would say this. But it has still stuck to me this, to this day. I'm sure if I asked Josiah, he'd, he'd know what it was. But he always would say, give thanks. and That was one of those sayings that always irritated me. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, give thanks. It was always in the moment. I didn't want to give thanks. So when he would say it, it was like... But as I have grown in my spiritual walk, I have seen more and more the power of thanksgiving. And that's what I'd like to speak uh, to you all on this morning. Verse 18 says, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would bless this time. I know that I definitely need your presence, but we all need your presence. As we look at this passage, look at the truths here, we're in desperate need for you, Holy Spirit, to open up our hearts to understand. You said spiritual things are spiritually understood. So if your presence is not here, It is not, there's nothing that we are going to be profited by. So, Spirit of God, I'm asking that you would come down, that you would anoint this message, you anoint this preacher, that you would give to us this powerful truth, that it would set us free. In your name, amen. In everything, give thanks. I'm sure you all are familiar with Corey Ten Boom. Actually, a couple years ago, when I went to uh, Ghana, for Aquila's wedding we stopped in Amsterdam uh, on their way and we had a window of time we got we, we knew we really didn't care to spend any time in Amsterdam per se but the city of Harlem was not that far away that's where the Ten Boom watch shop was but Corey Ten Boom and their family I think many of you know the story but they harbored Jews as they were trying to flee from Nazi uh, Nazism during the process they were caught they were sent to concentration camp. If you've ever seen uh, the, the movie Hiding Place or even read any of the books, you know that that whole process was definitely, a, the concentration camps were nothing pretty. It was definitely a gruesome um, prison sentence for them. Both Corey and her sister, um, Betty, were put in the concentration camp. They are made to work hard. There was one particular time where they were put in one set of barracks and as they were in those barracks they discovered lice. Now, how many of you have ever had lice before? Probably shouldn't ask that. Maybe, maybe. Um, I've never had lice before but I know what it's like to have uh, you know little uh, I- you know insects or whatever if it's in Maine we have what's called black flies. We have a season in the year we call black fly season and there these tiny little flies they are the most annoying thing. They last about three weeks long. And uh, you, you pray every day when you have to work outside that there's a stiff breeze because they, they, they can... I've, I've driven up to a spot when I had to do landscaping once. I drove up to the spot and I looked out and you could just see clouds of them. <laughs> and you're sitting in the truck going, oh, I don't want to go out. Um, but uh, lice, anything like that, they, they are annoying. They are a pain. They're always just they're in your scalp. They're... It is not an uncomfortable, uh, not a comfortable thing. Well, in that barrack there were lice. If you know the story, that Betty said to Corey because Corey was complaining about the lice, and Betty said to Corey, "Corey, we need to give thanks." She said, "Give thanks for the lice? No way. I'm not giving thanks for it." And she kept saying that, "Give thanks, give thanks." Finally, Corey gave thanks. Well, in the process of time they started Bible studies in the barracks, and they were able to have extended times with, with the women in the, that barrack decla- barracks declaring Jesus Christ to them. They didn't realize this, but as they started looking at you know, their, the days and stuff like that, they started realizing, you know, the guards never come here. They never bother us. And it wasn't until they, they finally put two and two together and they realized, they don't come because of the lice. So they were never bothered doing the gospel work because of the lice. And as, as uncomfortable and, and unfortunate as it was, the very fact that Corey came to that point where she gave thanks for that opened up the door for her to minister her and her sister to minister and God to do something. Let me ask you this: What is thanks? Somebody define it for me. I've preached this message a couple times, and I've always asked this question. Everybody kind of looks at me with, oh, how do you define thanks? Ethan? Is it being grateful for something? Okay. What is gratefulness? Man, you guys are a talkative bunch. Maybe that's why when I was in school, I was always known for the talker, because I had no problem asking questions. <laughs> Matt? Content with your circumstances. Okay, content with your circumstances. Decision you, decision you make. Finding good in something that's not good. Finding good in something that's not good. Appreciation. Appreciation. Okay. These are all good things. I looked up the definition of what is thankfulness. You know what it said? Being grateful. Okay, that is not helping me any. <laughs> so what is gratefulness? I went and looked up the definition of gratefulness. Basically, being thankful. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> like, so it took me a while as I tried to boil this down. What is giving thanks? You've all given good uh, answers. This is really where I came to and what, what thankfulness is. Thankfulness is agreeing with God that what has happened is good. It's agreeing with God that whatever is in my path, whether it's good or it's bad in our human eyes, it is good. It understands the fact that God's character never changes. As you look at James chapter one, it talks about that, that God is light and in him is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He doesn't change. And You study out that passage. is When you think of light shining on something, there's nothing that wavers. He doesn't move. His character is always the same, no matter what circumstances you face. God is always good. And you'll face times where there will be challenges. You will have pressures. And you have to anchor your soul in the fact that Jesus is always good. That he doesn't change. And if you don't have that mooring in your life, things are going to come and they're going to rock your boat. I love the state of Maine. I love living, I loved living there, being on the ocean. And one of the most beautiful pictures, one of the most beautiful things I love to go out and do, I love to go to the ocean. We didn't live too far from the ocean, we got to go out there and experience the ocean. We got to see the waves crash on the rocks. Got to see the lobster boats, the fisher boats out there. Had a few times where I was able to go out lobstering. Um, And I experienced the ocean. When you're in the ocean, um, a calm day is still like two to three foot waves. You're on that lobster boat, and then you're up and down. You're moving around. When you are out in a boat and you need to stay put, what do you do? You throw out an anchor. If, you, if you've ever been around you know, harbors or anything like that, you know that all those boats, when they all come in, at least in Maine, they have these massive granite blocks and it has an eye, hook up, a eye, eye you know, a hook up through it. And they hook onto that. I mean, these are massive pieces of stone. Because when those storms come, They've, you know, when we have tropical storms come up the coast, they have some pretty good-sized waves. And those boats are moved all around. But as long as they're anchored to that rock, they don't move. But the moment you're more, you come off that mooring, the waves will s- quickly sweep you away and into the rocks, into the coast. And, and, and it d- will d- destroy your boat. If you're not anchored to the fact that God is good all the time, no matter what, no matter if a teacher does something that was fleshly, it happens. I know it because I've been a teacher. I've been in in authority. I've done things that was in the flesh. You know, sometimes a a teacher, someone in authority, they're human. They do things that aren't right. How are you going to respond to that? You're going to have circumstances that are piled upon you. Uh, I remember, you know, in college, I think it was my junior year, the second semester, this is me bemoaning. My second semester of my junior year, I had, I was president, I had um, fellowship chapel, I had weekend ministry trip, and I had um, stewardship banquet all within 21 days. And then I had, right after that, I thought, oh, finally, we got going. All of a sudden, we realized we were taking a missions trip to South Africa. And then I spent the rest of the time trying to figure that out. I remember, there's sometimes circumstances happen. You, you don't necessarily have control over it. It just happens. Thankfully, not every semester was like that. But stuff happens. What are you going to do in that? Our natural response is complain. It's nice to just wallow in that pity. But what do you do? And it's your orientation around God's character and who he is that determines how you are going to respond this passage says, in everything, give thanks. Always, no matter what happens, whether it's good or whether it's bad, you have to go to the f- recognize the fact that he doesn't change. So therefore, I can anchor myself to him in this moment, and I can agree with him that what is happening in my life is for my good. Because no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. He will always be good to you. Even in the moments where he goes, "Ah, this doesn't make sense. He will always be good to you. And if you don't come back to that fact, you will become what we're going to talk about later. you become a bitter person. There is sadly, I I talk with my brother Caleb. He travels, obviously he's traveling now more often, but I talk with others. And I'm aware of people I went through school with Others that were before me that are still bitter, and I look at them and go, "Why?" Because they weren't oriented around the fact that God is good, and they allow those things to fester in them. So why is this so important? Turn to Hebrews twelve. We know this passage, but her turn to Hebrews twelve. Verse 15, it says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. The the first point, Romans 1 tells us this. They did not glorify God, neither were, neither were Thankful. thankful. And then what happened after that? They they left and went to the most debauched life. They did not glorify God and they were not thankful. The the very first step, the very first decision, whether you will be bitter or not, is that decision: am I going to come to God's grace or am I going to fall short of it? Am I going to give thanks or am I going to complain? He says, look diligently. This is something that you have to actively be a part of. You cannot allow bitterness to be a part of your life. Bitterness binds you up. I'm not, I don't need to preach a message on bitterness. You've had those messages before. But bitterness is, you're so bound by it. When we're bitter, we do not realize what what we look like. But I can guarantee we all have known somebody, we, we all know the look of someone that's bitter. We just, we, anytime we're out soul and winning, we, we can see the person that is so bound. The darkness in their eyes, their faces just, there, there's no light. And it all starts, that pathway starts on whether or not you give thanks, whether or not you agree with God, what is happening right now is for my good. Dr. Jim has preached this before, but the moment you do not give thanks, the moment that you not recognize that this, okay, this moment, Luke, Luke 17 says this, it is impossible that f- offenses will not come. It's going to happen. Offenses are going to happen. People will say things, will do things, stuff will happen in your life, and there will be offenses. There's no way getting around it. But it's how you respond to those offenses. Either you go down the path, so I say this, you're gonna, there's going to be wounds. People are going to say stuff that hurts. But are you going down the path of now of having strongholds and bitterness? Or are you going to immediately be healed? This sounds maybe a little harsh in how I'm saying this, but I don't mean it in a harsh way because I've had my own wounds and, and hurts. But if you're hurt right now and it's still hurting, or if it ever happens again, You must come to the point and recognize, yes, what that person did to you is wrong. But if you're still hurting, it's your fault. I had to come to that point. And I recognize any time that I hurt, it's my fault. Because I failed of God's grace. It was always there. The healing bomb in Gilead is always there to heal up my wounds. So if I'm still wounded, it's my fault. Because I have not taken of the grace that is overflowing. He calls it manifold grace of God. It is so multifaceted and it's ever flowing and ready and free for us. But the moment we don't give thanks, the moment we don't recognize what just happened in my life is God's goodness to me. We have stepped down the pathway towards bitterness. And really the reality is we are bitter. Not just a pathway towards bitterness. The moment we do not give thanks, we're bitter. And a stronghold has come in. And you've handed the devil a brick, and he's starting to build. And the next time, that same, whether it's interpersonal things, and the next time somebody says that and you don't give thanks, and the next time something happens and you don't give thanks, another brick, and another brick, and another brick, until you've got a, a, a fortress in your life. It all can come crashing down the moment you start giving thanks, the moment you start getting cleansed by the word. But thanksgiving is the key. You know, guys, obviously, most of you are not married, but it's interesting that men are told, husbands are told, be not bitter towards your wives. Never says that to the wives. Obviously they're not supposed to be bitter towards their husbands, but it, it, gives it, it, it gives a command to men, to husbands, don't be bitter towards your wives. It is going, things will happen. And you have the responsibility as the leader to give thanks in the moment. If you do not give thanks, bitter, it, you, I, I always thought, how in the world could you be bitter towards your wife? It's impossible. Like, you know, I just thought it was, how can, you, how can that happen? And then I got married and realized, you know what? We're both human beings that are flesh, and things happen. And the moment I don't, I, you know, if I just push past it and just keep on going with life, I've, I, and I didn't deal with it right in the moment. You know, sometimes we think I'm fine because I just kind of push past. Or I, give, I, I allow time to pass, and so it doesn't feel as bad anymore. You know, you had, a, had an argument with somebody and, well, I'll just give it a little bit of time. We give it a little bit of time. We never deal with it spiritually. And, well, I don't feel the angst of it anymore, so I'm good now. No, you're not. You're still wallowing in that hurt because you never dealt with it. And the challenge to us as men and when you're a husband some days God saying, the hurts will come, things will happen. You cannot be bitter towards your wife. And it starts with giving of thanks. Another thing, 1 Timothy, I won't have you turn there, but 1 Timothy 6, uh, 6 says, tells us that we are to be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You know, covetousness, lusting after something, can be prevented if we are a thankful people. You know, I don't know if the, the seventh part of the hour with God is, is a, a joyful time for you or not. But that time of giving thanks is one of the most powerful times. Because you are, whether you're under pressure or there are good things, that's the moment where you are giving thanks to him. And you are just saying, God, I agree with you that everything that's going on right now is for my good. I remember one day I was sitting in my house doing my devotions, and I remember my brother Caleb was just about to get married, and there was a lot of, ups- you know, like just of financial issues that he wasn't sure about, and I was praying for him. And I remember stopping and I'm just looking at my house, and I thought, man, it's not- the house isn't necessarily fancy, but I live in a house that I pay a one-bedroom apartment price for. Rent. I should be paying at least double, if not more than that, for the house I live in. That's God. I won't tell you the story, but that's God. I was like, wow. Then I started looking at the couches and the chair that I was sitting in. They were secondhand, but those are $10,000 couches that we got for $200. They were 10 years old, but they were still, they were in great condition. Wow, that's the goodness of God. Somebody just wanted to get rid of them. Oh, man, that's so good, God. And then I started thinking about all the other times and I thought, wow. I just started reveling in how good he was to me. I started giving him thanks. You know what? I don't necessarily question. I still have flesh. There are times where I, you know, can, you know there can be that hesitancy. But I don't necessarily question because when I revel in the fact that God is good and he provides, when stuff happens, I don't necessarily have to worry about it. I don't have to figure it out. God's going to do it. I just give him Thanks. But the reason why we lust after things, we want stuff, we're covetous is because we've not learned how to be grateful, how to be thankful in Him. Let's check the time real quick, make sure I'm not, okay. One time I was preaching away and I forgot to bring up my phone, This is at my home church. I I ended up preaching an hour and 15 minutes. I thought it was, I I didn't, I'd never preached that, I hadn't preached 30 minutes in my life. So when when I spoke that long, I thought, oh boy. I sat down, I looked at my clock, and I was, I, about, I wanted to crawl underneath the pew. But the Lord, I have to say, the Lord was in it, and the, it, God was all over the time. So from that standpoint, I was, I was grateful, but not, not, <laughs> not, not having my, my, looking at my clock was, was definitely a problem. Um, what hinders us from giving thanks? What hinders us from giving thanks? As I've been meditating on this, There's one word that came to my mind, really is kind of, there's two concepts, but really the biggest thing is fear, which is unbelief, but it's fear. When something happens in an interpersonal way, maybe it's a person in authority, why can't we give thanks for that? Or it's circumstantial. Okay, right now, is there a lot of unjust things happening in our world? Does it ever for you, I don't know about you, but I sometimes feel like I have a very high justice. Um, uh, I don't know if I want to say scale, but I have a very high, a high justice system in my, in my thinking. And uh, stuff happens politically, and it's like, that is not right. <laughs> or I'm driving, and I'm driving in Milwaukee, and the guy blows through the stop sign, and, or just comes flying crazy around me. That is just not right. Um, there's so many things that, that happen, and we're just, it's like, that's not right. Why do we struggle to give thanks? Well, because it's not right. He needs to be made right. And if I don't hold on to it, how is he going to get justice? (laughs) Like you're going to do anything anyways. (laughs) Many times I've wished I could be the police officer, but I'm not. So it's because you're fearful that the God who is the judge of all the earth, who said vengeance is mine, I will repay, is not going to come through. You know, when something happens and somebody does something unjustly, why do you struggle about it? Because justice needs to happen. Well, whose job is that anyways? It's not yours. And it's not mine. It's God's. So the reason why I am so fearful or so, I can't give thanks is because I'm so fearful that he will not do what he says he's going to do. The reason why I can't, I can't come to the point of giving thanks is because I'm I'm just so fearful. I'm bound by fear, and I can't believe God that He, what He said He was going to do, He was what He'll do. It is definitely a. Um, I, I am. I am not coming at it from a. I've never, like I've never felt these feelings. I have to work through them just as much as you do. People treat me unkindly say something that's not right they're just having a bad day and they're grumpy you know have you ever experienced somebody like that you go into a store you're going to some place and all of a sudden just somebody's having a bad day and they just decide you're going to be the one that they're going to let you know that they're having a bad day and you're walking away from it going mm, give thanks if you can't give thanks again what's the pathway So why? Why does does he say in everything, whether good or bad? He said this is the will of Christ, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What has happened is God's plan for you. What's the purpose of it? Why does God allow good things and why does he allow bad things to happen? Number one is for his glory. He's trying to perfect you. And when we are not in a place of giving thanks, we are not free and we're unable to display the manifold grace of God to anyone else. I gave that illustration of Corey Ten Boom. If she had not given thanks, who knows what would have happened in that barracks. She would have never, not to say that God didn't want to do something. It's the fact that she would never have been in the spiritual condition to be able to do it. Have you ever found it hard to try to speak truth when you're grumbling and complaining? You don't even want to speak truth. <laughs> you, don't, you just rather wallow in it. That's our flesh. My dad had an opportunity one time. He's, we, he has a fairly large kind of dump truck type um, truck, and uh, he normally delivers firewood in it, but it's an older one. Every once in a while, it has problems. He was driving along, and uh, there was a spot where he had a kind of was a f- interesting intersection. He had to kind of drive up around. And uh, as he was coming to there, he started to drive up around, it, and it died. Right there, right in the middle. I mean, this is no small truck either. And it was like, oh. <laughs> you know, the thought, this is not what I needed. And right away, the Lord said, give thanks. I don't want to give thanks. He said, give thanks. So he started to give thanks. Well, then he, he knew of a guy that lived not too far down the road that he had heard about, never met, um, but was a mechanic. was pretty good at just kind of fixing stuff like that. So got his number, called him up, and the guy came right down, assessed the situation, um, was able to help him get it up around the corner. Because that was part of it. Dad was like, could it not have died just... A few hundred yards down the road where there was actually a parking lot. The <laughs> uh, Lord just said, give thanks. So they were able to tow the truck, get in the parking lot, figure out what was the problem. They left. Over the course of time, that man got saved. And Dad was able to lead him to the Lord. Afterwards, he found out that as, that as he was leaving that day, he turned to his buddy and said, I don't know what that guy has, but I want it. Because if it was me, I would have been throwing things. I would have been so mad. I mean... I would have been ripping mad. Well, that was the temptation. They wanted to be frustrated. We wanted to be angry. Why? But he said, give thanks. In the very act of giving thanks and agreeing with God that what just happened is for my good, in reality, it was for someone else's good. Because it says, when we're bitter, many are defiled. And the reality is, when we give thanks, many are blessed. And when he was free because he gave thanks, because he agreed with God, he was able to be a channel of the freeing gospel work to someone else. The grace of God was able to flow through him so somebody else saw something supernatural and said, I want that because I live the fleshly and that's not human. That's God. He didn't know it was God, but he knew something was there and he said, I want that. And when you are bound in grumbling and complaining about stuff, you are not free to show the supernatural work of God. I don't know what it is in your life that is causing you angst. But God has something that he's probably putting you, whether it's the pressures of school right now, whether it's the way someone has treated you, I don't, and maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's just the fact that you don't know what you're supposed to do this summer. There are unknowns. If you are not actively giving thanks to God and saying, God, this is for my best. I don't know what it is, but I'm anchoring myself to you. and I'm going to let you work it all out. But I am casting myself upon your character. And you will never leave us nor forsake us. You are always there. You are my paraclete. You are the one that comes alongside me. You are the one that carries me along. That is your God. That is our God. He will not leave you comfortless. So in those moments, would you not rest upon the the character of who your God is? That is why the hour is so important. If you do not spend that first five minutes praising God for who he is, you do not learn who he is. God opens up to you just his manifold character, as you dwell upon him. And the more you dwell upon who he is, you are able in the moment to say, I give you thanks. This doesn't humanly make sense, but I'm giving you thanks. Every time that I have done that, I've always seen God come through and do something. Even when I have done something stupid. I don't know about you, but I am grateful that God still... covers for my stupidity. There are so many times I've done something I thought, oh, why did I just do that? I I didn't think it all the way through. That was so dumb. Give thanks. Okay, Lord, I don't know why this just happened. It's obviously me, but I'm going to thank you for it. And I've seen time and time again that God's done something that I thought, wow, I could have never orchestrated that. I could have never done that. That was God. I had a job last year that kept going and going and going. And I thought, when is this God job? It wasn't supposed to take this long. And I finally came to the point where I realized, you know what? God's doing something. Because this job wasn't supposed to take this long. So there's a reason for it. Okay, God. So I started giving thanks for it. Well, it gave me a gospel opportunity with the man I was working for. And it's given me ongoing opportunities with him. But it was purely because I gave thanks. On the flip side, I was doing a job just recently that was supposed to only take two and a half days and ended up taking me six days, and I was really struggling through that whole time. I was frustrated. And I was trying to give thanks, but I didn't stop and just said, and just, you know, I kept trying to push through and I said, no. If I had stopped and fully just given thanks. And I was trying to give thanks, and I tried to give the gospel to the guy, and it was the power of God wasn't there because I was failing to give thanks. So it goes two ways. If you're not in that spirit of giving thanks, you're so bound by what's going on that you are not free to declare forth the glory of God to someone else, whether it's a lost person. Or some or your classmates or your family members, you're not free. The giving of thanks is essential to being free and seeing others set free. So it's your choice. Will you allow the divine work of God, His grace, to to work in you and give thanks for whatever situation might be in your path? Or sadly, will you fall short? And when we fall short of it, we've entered into bitterness, strongholds are being built, and we're bound, and we cannot cannot even fulfill the very reason why he has us on this earth, to to, to display his glory. Lord, I ask that you would help all of us. This This is not just something I'm speaking from, something I've accomplished, or I've figured it all out. I need this just as much as anyone here needs this. Lord, humanly our flesh does not want to give thanks. We want to wallow in whatever pity that there is. We want to wallow in holding on to something again something that's hurt us. We want to heap upon ourselves our own praises and think what's just good thing that happened was us instead of giving thanks to you. Students, I, I don't know where you're, what is God's doing in you. But this is the type of message that we probably can affect everybody in some sort of way. But there is, whether it's an individual that you're still struggling with, or whether it's a circumstance you're still struggling with, or even maybe it's an accomplishment that you've realized that, you know what, I've been gloating in this. I haven't given thanks to the Lord for it because he's the one that has done it through me. I'm just going to give you an opportunity to respond however God has done because I don't want to see you, not because I'm concerned about your opinion of Baptist College of Ministry, your opinion of me or your teachers or whatever. It's not my concern. My concern is about your future ministry. And those graduates that I can think of Their ministries are hindered because they're still bound because they never gave thanks. In your future ministry, there are souls that you need to touch, that God has in your pathway in five years from now to touch. If you do not learn how to give thanks or if you do not give thanks for whatever situation God has his finger on in your heart right now, you will never be able to fully reach those people because you are not free yourself. So however the Lord has been working your heart, I ask that you would respond to that because His grace is there. It's not a platform, not an altar, but the moment we get up and humble ourselves, God's grace is there. You don't have to fall short of it. So if God's working in your heart, you come right now.